Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. Stop your grinning and drop your linen. I'm Sebastian. Seb, have you ever been mistaken for a man? I'm Andy Schossler. No, have you? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. I, when he's asking about squares. Yeah. I was trying to be sneaky and um, <laughs> put it in a Cowboys versus Aliens quote. Nice. Turns out super unquotable movie. I was just like blasting through yeah. the front page. Good movie though. I haven't seen it. Cowboys versus you should. Do yourself a favor. not that great. It's terrific. Okay. It really is good. Um, well, we're not reviewing Cowboys vs. Aliens. What we're reviewing is Aliens. James Cameron's Aliens. Is mm. that right? Did I get that Very right? Very much so. Is that the same as Zack Snyder's Justice League? <laughs> oh, God, like, I hope not. <laughs> you're, you laugh. God knows we're probably covering that next year. Aliens is terrific. Aliens it's is good. good. It's different from Alien because oh, it's, yeah. you know, Aliens is just dumb action schlock, but really good dumb action schlock. Like, I mean, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. Like, that's how I see, like, Terminator 2. It's dumb action schlock. Schlock. Yes. Yeah. It's big, boom, angry movie, but good. <laughs> With a lot of, you know, really high-end visual effects. Yes. And I think they the flip a truck at some point. No, that, that's The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a truck scene in that movie. Actually, we're doing T2 in in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, I like to watch uh, Terminator 1 and then Terminator 2 back-to-back. So I, I just watched it. And it's... It still holds up visually. Oh, good. Just like Aliens as well. Surprisingly, for an action film in the 80s, it still looks fantastic. Yeah, no complaints visually. Honestly, with this week, last week, and next week's film, when we do Terminator itself, everything looks great. There's a lot to be sent for practical effects. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely holds up. Which is one of the reasons like I was always pushing when we did, and maybe before you were with us or not, I don't know, when we reviewed The Thing, 
Yes, I and, think so. And Alex was like, it looks terrible. I'm like, in what world yeah. does this film look terrible? It looks Doesn't exactly look the same as it used to look. Alex is just wrong. <laughs> so He's just wrong. wrong. <laughs> I was like, you know that movie that's famous for its visual effects? Oh, it's terrible looking. I'm like, what? Actually, I saw, I saw the thing for the first time just a few years ago. Yeah? For the, for the first time. I'd, I'd known about it, uh, but I was surprised just how, just how good it is and how much it set the tone for uh, sort of sci-fi horror films to come. It's really weird. Like, it's sort of the exception for me in a sense that I don't like horror films and yet that film's in my top five. Right. I'm like, damn it, it's so good. It kind of gets away with it. You know, it, it it's horror, but it's not slasher. Yes, you know, yeah. It's, a, it's closer to a thriller, but it is still a horror film, absolutely. I'm tense for all the right reasons while watching it. Similar, I will say, to segue back to this, kind of how I felt for the first hour of this film. It's really good. Yeah. There's tension all the way through. I mean, Cameron is a, is a master, at, or at least was in the 80s for sure, of, of building tension. Now, I was messaging you guys, um, Jordan Inclusive, who couldn't make it today, um, when doing like, my watch of this actual movie, and I'd have to find the exact timestamp that I was. And unless I missed it, the first time we actually see an alien in this film, like a xenomorph, that isn't a chestburster, I will say, because there is a, a daydream sort of scene with the chestburster. Yeah. It's like an hour and 10 minutes in. I'll have to find the exact time that I wrote down. But That's fine because it's, it's all, a long time. It's all set up. It, it's, it's made, what, seven years after Alien was released. Yep. And in a way, it's sort of, it's sort of a remake of Alien for the American audience because everything's reintroduced. Yep. You know, there's, there's continuity in the story for sure, but a lot of time is spent reintroducing the alien and why they're a threat and why they are, which actually works kind of well because they're not completely explained in Alien. True. And it's not done in a boring way in Aliens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say, by my count, hour and 13 into the film. Before we see a xenomorph? Before we see a xenomorph. And, and then we see a thousand of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somehow, even with that stat, we see more than we've ever seen. Um, but I was surprised because, obviously, knowing where it's all going and you see, like, you know what's happening because you see, like, the eggs and, you, like I said, there is the the chestburster. Um, I guess it's a nightmare, effectively, that Ripley does have yeah. um, at the beginning of the film. So it's not like there's... No action, but you don't technically see the reason that the movie exists in a sense of going to this colony to save them all. That's right. And Ripley kind of warning everybody because she's the only one, she's the only character who openly talks about what the aliens are. Yep. Uh, the company, um, Waylon... Yutani. Waylon Yutani. I want to say Waylon Smithers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they know, but even they're a bit hush-hush and... Oh, they, they, the they, don't, they don't reveal everything to their operatives. So there's a lot of sneakiness and double thing. Ripley's the only one who knows about them essentially in, in the film. And she's kind of holding the audience's hand, you know, and explaining things along the way, but not in a way that's condescending. Do you like the fact that in both Alien and Aliens, the true villain is corporate greed? Because I forgot that's, that's <laughs> so funny. Because the only, only reason any of these people are ever put in the situation that they're in is the fact that Wailing Your Time is like, yeah, money, see? You can make money off these aliens. It's, it's an we'll interesting... we yeah. <laughs> It's an interesting way of, of getting the villain to get their comeuppance and keeping the aliens alive for sequels as well. Yeah. Because it was Ash, the android in the first one, who was acting on company orders yeah. to get back the sample. He's and a robot. He couldn't have helped it. Yeah. And then in this one, it's like, I didn't know the guy's role, but he's effectively the, the PR guy for... Um, or Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, the PR yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. The evil man. Yeah. And he, evil, his whole evil thing is- sneaky bastard. He needs to help science by getting an alien or something? I don't know. Well, because they're going to weaponize it and it's going to be better. Yeah. I prefer- And had it, had it not been, you know, this sneaky way of doing it, they might have gotten away with it too. You joke. I've watched <laughs> so much Scooby-Doo lately. <laughs> Legitimately warming up for our uh, Scooby-Doo Halloween duology that we're doing. I've watched uh, two seasons of Scooby-Doo Mysteries Incorporated. Did you catch the Supernatural Scooby-Doo episode? Oh, I did, yes. Yeah. It's good. It is good. It, it really is good. Um, but I've been watching yeah, Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. And it's a two-season show with a full story arc, actual character growth episode to episode. Things change 
because something happens in one episode, which means it's not there in the next episodes. Like, okay. It's actually like a proper, not not an episodic reset the tape. You know, <laughs> there is Monster of the Week as like the as the you know episode structure. Right. It's great. And I can't wait to talk about it in a few weeks when we get to Scooby Doo and I've done Ugh. twenty sorry, fifty two episodes of research for this one show. I think you'll be carrying those shows. I've never done more research <laughs> for anything. <laughs> but I've done it for this. And it's great. And I will say it's also like six dollars a season on YouTube and there's only two seasons. Okay. Which is why I stacked up on it because I'm like, oh, great. That's all right. Usually they're charging like $3 an episode. Well, there was a huge episode, episode price, but you just buy them per season. It was really cheap. Um, And it's also um, the first season or series that, um, what's his name? The guy from Scream, uh, Matthew Lillard. Oh, yes. It was his first actual animated role as Shaggy in that show. How about that? So there you go. But that's trivia for five weeks from now. I can't wait. So, Aliens, though. Good film. I mean, we'll obviously good we'll film. get into that proper when we get to the actual breakdown, but consistently good film. Uh, consistency is the right word, because it carries an 8.3 on IMDb. Alien carries an 8.4, okay. so very consistent there. Uh, super high on Rotten Tomatoes, though. 97% critical, 94% audience. Okay, cheese. I think that's, quite, that's good. It's weird. Uh, like you think between, the, between Alien and Aliens... Because they're both... Uh, they're different films. Yeah, and the fact that their scores are so tight is lucky in a sense because you've got one that's, you know, here are your horror fans, go here, it's suspense, it's drama or whatever. And then you've got this film and it's like, it's got guns and, you know, shooting and explosions and stuff. And you suspect there's very different markets for those. And yet, and everyone yet, likes them, which is good. There's a lot of suspense in Alien just because it's... You know, introducing this new this new creature, we don't know anything about it. We don't even know that much about it by the end of it, because it's just you know, the whole film is just a chase of Ripley and the other crew being picked off one by one by this thing. We still don't know any, anything about it. And in Aliens, we find out a little bit more, I guess, just that they nest and that they sort of you know are a little bit clever in how they in how they go about hunting people. And she had no idea about the nesting part, do no. No, because you know she's going into it, you know, nearly blind as well. All she knows is her experience with the one, and that's and that's all they know that they're dealing with. Also, to be fair, the Nostromo in the the ship in the first film had a very weird design. Like, I don't think you could tell if that alien did nest there because that that ship had a really like organic look to it. Sure, not as much as the space jockeys, whatever that big ship was called. And as we established. The alien, the xenomorph, eats metal. That's how its blood is acidic. Did we establish that? I don't know. We I were was just speculating. Actually, going to say <laughs> it makes sense though. <laughs> it's weird that this planet didn't have xenomorphs on it because we never like the xenomorphs. Obviously, can exist without eating. I feel like there should just be a lot of xenomorphs around the entire time. We don't know that they exist without eating. We just never see them eating, Seb. But they grow. You can't assume that they don't. You can't. So you can't assume that they don't eat. Uh, I just. I feel like with all these prequels and sequels and all these things they do, we would have had one scene. <laughs> Thank God there's no George Lucas prequel, you know, explaining just how the uh, the aliens, the xenomorphs prepare their meals. I just want to you know, know which spices they use and how long they cook their beef for. I know, just want to know roasting with xenomorph because <laughs> they kill people, but they don't really eat them either. No, they so they don't eat humans. Fine, but how do they grow? <laughs> Because they, they eat metal. Okay. I mean, why not? I mean, I could, there's why a not? lot of reasons why not. They're a, alien. Why not? There's probably a lot of calories in a piece of metal. <laughs> I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Iron is very energy dense. Well, there you go. So they're actually, they're just being efficient. <laughs> um, trivia, is there anything specifically you want to go through? Oh, just one or two thousand things. Yeah, it's a big one. There's so much. There's so I just much. loaded up the page in IMDb and was like, oh, that's a <clears> tiny <throat> scroll bar. <laughs> <laughs> Good films. Um, attract a lot of trivia, and to be fair, there's a lot of there's usually a lot of, you know, references and things like that. Mm. I try and pick out the things that are specific to the film, but I would just pick out anything. You would, Seb. Yeah, that's why we can't rely on you. It's true. I'm untrustworthy. <laughs> Budget of 19 million, um, so double ish. One nine. Yes. 19? Yep. Cool. Um, double ish. Uh, alien budget, mm-hmm. and it took in 131 million. So compared to Alien, I think it's just. Just slightly more, yeah. Alien took in 108. So worth the money, I guess. Yeah. You know, taking in nearly, <laughs> nearly what, seven times 
Yeah, I think it's six times, just it's a minor um, success, yeah. <laughs> ever so slightly. Uh, one of the last shoots during production was the introduction of the Marines, and Cameron saved that f- for the last to really highlight the camaraderie between everybody since they'd been working with mm. each other for, 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 for months. I like a sneaky director. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it pays off. I think I remember reading once they did the same sort of thing with Edge of Tomorrow where it was one of the last shots because okay. everybody's sort of getting on and jabbing at each other. That's another good film. It's a terrific film. I really like that one. Yeah. We should do that in honour of James Cameron. No. Yeah. <laughs> he had nothing to do with uh, it. Tom Cruise <laughs> retrospective. Um, Actually, have Cruise and Cameron ever worked together? I don't think they have. I'll have a peek while you're going through your stuff. So. I'll see what his... Um... Um, there's a lot of... Cameron is a, is a stickler for details, which I really like, especially in films where you've got a counter or some sort of time limit, he keeps the counter going in real time. So when you see 15 minutes counting down, eight seconds counting down, it's an actual eight minutes as you're watching it. There's none of this trickery of it actually lasts, you know, two minutes while he's flipping between shots. No, if it's eight seconds on screen, eight seconds later, you get the payoff in real time. Uh, Bill Paxton improvised most of his one-liners. Yeah. Like, uh, game over, man. Um, Stop your grin and drop your linen. Great line. <laughs> a lot of his other ones. In fact, he um, he apologised frequently to Carrie Hen, who played the little girl, uh, Newt, um, whenever he had lines where there was swearing in it because he you know, didn't want to be swearing in front yeah. of the little girl. But fortunately, she didn't really understand most of the words anyway. She kind of, yeah, that's, that's okay. I don't really get it. Okay, I have your answer to your James Cameron, Tom Cruise question. And it's no. It, it's, it was an almost. James Cameron and Tom Cruise almost shot a film on the International Space Station. Because, of course, if you're going to pair up two people that would want to do Why exactly not? that, it's, it's 100% James Cameron and Tom Cruise. Like They would be the ones like, yep, we're going to really? space. Really? Not Ron Howard? James Cameron, because his whole thing is like, I'm going to build technology, I'm going to build submarines and do this and that. Like He's really yeah. pushing, like, I'm going to go... But James Cameron doesn't care about space. But what, Ron Howard, what is the deep- Ron Howard, Tom Hanks, they care about space, which is why we had Apollo thirteen. Oh, I think more. I meant more like from a logistical standpoint. I can see James Cameron being like, "Yes, it's time." But he wouldn't actually go onto the. This one is that they were looking at. I it. know, but it didn't. It didn't actually happen. This is a two-year-old this- story as well. It's actually more fresh than I thought it would be. Eh. It feels like some sort of bullshit you'd read in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what. Um, Happened in Titanic. Oh, it almost happened a All decade this, ago. So the story's yeah. two years old, yeah. but it's in public. But it was over ten years ago. This was the plan. But Titanic had Cameron and all his deep sea diving stuff to actually uncover the Titanic. I think he actually mm. did a documentary as well, at, at uh, con- concurrent with the with the film, um, you know, exploring the Titanic or something like that, where, where it was his his submarine and him going down and because he loves that shit. He does, but not space. Here's the quote. I actually took this is from James Cameron. I actually talked to Cruz about doing a film in space about 15 years ago. I had contact with the Russians in 2000 to go to the International Space Station and shoot a high end 3D documentary there. And I thought, shit, man, we should just make it a feature. I said, Tom, (laughs) Tom, you and I will get two seats on the Soyuz, um, but somebody's got to train us as engineers. Tom said, no problem. I'll train as an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) He would too. He's mad. (laughs) That's fucking great. I wish this happened. Um, Funnily enough, Tom Cruise is um, scheduled to be making a film based on SpaceX. Well, it says that doesn't surprise me. It says space an untitled SpaceX project. So I mean, like that could that could literally be anything. But get some of that Musk money. Yeah, that's what you want. (laughs) And I'm just seeing the sequel to bloody um, Edge of Tomorrow though listed. I'm just waiting for it, guys. Sequel. Yeah, just oh no, you can't do Groundhog Day two. No, no. You know how no Edge of Tomorrow was some it was in some places called Live Die Repeat. Yeah, well the sequel- I think that's the tagline. Yes, and on, on, um, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat was definitely the tagline. So, but in, you- but in some places it was the title. So, what would you call the uh, sequel? Is my question. God, here we go again. <laughs> Why bother? It's actually better than this. <laughs> Live Die Repeat. And repeat. Oh, uh. <laughs> what is it? Lince, ra- lather, and repeat? <laughs> Always repeat. That's but yeah, everyone's rumoured in it. Like, it's super early days. Even Tom Cruise hasn't, like, firmed on it yet. Yeah. But aliens. Don't. Don't do it. 
Do it. No, whoever's listening, pass on the message. Don't do Edge of Tomorrow 2. Don't do it. Can you just do a very, another very similar film for me that has aliens <laughs> and days resetting and mech suits? That's all I That's want. perfect. No, do something original. Take all the time that you're putting into scripting and trying to work out a way to make it work and just think of something original. Speaking of which, are they still doing that Akira film? Oh, who cares? I kind of care. No. Uh, James Cameron was dealing largely with the same British crew that was on Alien when he was doing Aliens at Pinewood Studios. Um, they, were, they were all fiercely loyal to Scott and just refused to play ball with, with, with Cameron, thinking that he was this upstart American who didn't know anything. At the time, they hadn't seen The Terminator. It hadn't been released in uh, the UK yet. So he organised, as a, as a bit of a, an olive branch, a bit of a, you know, a team-building thing, a special screening of The Terminator and invited the whole crew along. It went largely ignored and hardly anybody showed up. Imagine, That's a big fuck you to Cameron. Imagine being the director and like you, you effectively you're hiring all these people. Yep, he had he had no loyalty in, uh, his, in his crew at all. In fact, there's uh, I, was, I was reading a story later on um, <coughs> that he he revealed to the he, he said to the crew um, at the end of shooting that the one thing that kept him going through the whole production is that one day he would get to leave Pinewood Studios. And never come back. But you fuckers all have to stay here. Aww. I mean, that's a nice sentiment. That's how, yeah. I, feel, that's how I feel like every weekend, like every Friday afternoon when work finishes. It's gorgeous. It's very nice. Uh, there weren't any surviving models or sets of the Nostromo shuttle, the Narcissus. Okay. For whatever reason, it, it, it didn't survive. So when they recreated it for Aliens, they had to do it. The, the set designers had to watch Alien... And, and and build it off everything that was on Alien because there was nothing that there was absolutely nothing that survived. That actually reminds me back when we were doing the Blade Runner sequel, there was actually a very similar um, situation where it was like yeah, oh, nobody saves props and things. You know, maybe little, little things, but you know, big sets and things. Why would you ever save those? It was yeah, because it right. was a flashback scene to the original movie, ah. but with different actors or something. And they had to like, oh god. That, yeah, that goes there. Yeah. That, that sort of goes there. Like, just kind of jam it all in. Um, I'm starting a new bingo card that every time we watch any um, science fiction film and any of the ships are, are named after some sort of Greek or Roman... Like, they always are. They always are. And I feel like some sort of drinking game or bingo board <laughs> needs to come into existence for this. I just clicked when you said that. I'm like, oh, how, how original. That's, that's true. Yeah. Even the bad ones, like Narcissus. <laughs> <laughs> use that one. I'm like, who wants that ship? Who does? Do you remember the name of the ship in the Event Horizon? Um, I don't remember it. I think it's. I think that's a. It's the Morpheus, isn't it? Is it the Morpheus? I might be wrong. Look it up. I'm. I'm very curious. Um, Event Horizon. Event Horizon. The I might just be thinking of Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> in that film. The editing and scoring hadn't been completed until a week before the release of Aliens, so there wasn't any test screening. Can you imagine that? Producers going Wait, blind. Am I an idiot? Is the ship's name not the Event Horizon? Well, is it the Event Horizon? No, Event Horizon is about the 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 black hole uh, boundary beyond which you know you're, you're, you're falling is. into the black hole. It's been so long since I've seen it. That Good doesn't film. help me. Why so is- there wasn't any test screening for Aliens, um, but they did organise, <laughs> you know, hastily. A bit of a, a producer's, you know, special screening, and fortunately, everybody there gave it gave it a pass. Oh, it's frightening how often movies do go through a test screening and change after that. I've n- I've never been involved in a in a in a film. I would imagine that. Uh, I would imagine it's not as difficult as it as it you know seems to be to get a feel for what the movie is doing. And after editing and you, and you compile it, that you would sort of just release that as it is. But I guess, you know, if you want to... Uh, t- test screening to me seems like cheating. I'm going to jump back to Infrared Horizon for a second. Sorry. The plot says a distress signal is received from the Event Horizon, a starship oh, okay. that disappeared during its maiden voyage to Proxima Centauri. So Event Horizon is the ship that they board... See, I, I, I thought it had a, another god name. I'm trying to find the name of their ship that they bring there, though. Ah, that's right. Um, but so Event Horizon was the bad ship, is the, is the quick version of that. Sam Neill's 
love child and yeah with with, with the devil or whatever they had. Was it the devil? It's a good film. It's been such a long time. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm, and I've just seen it pop. It just popped up again, sort of in the zeitgeist because um, people have seen that Sam Neill's character had the Australian flag, but with the Union Jack. That's come out it. recently too. Yeah. yeah. As you were, sorry. I'm going to see if I can. I'm I'm trying my best to research this damn no, ship name, right. and it's just telling me it's called the Event Horizon. I'm, like, I'm not. Um, as is common with a lot of sci-fi films, budget problems threatened uh, yeah. filming of some scenes. So when they recreated the hypersleep chamber, um, they only had enough in the budget to build four of them. They cost at the time like you know four thousand dollars each. Was this for the build the the hypersleep chamber? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and there were 12 of them that they needed. They could only afford to build four. But Cameron, being the you know, ingenious low-budget wizard <laughs> that he is, uh, just settled on using some mirrors and some clever camera angles to have 12. Oh, okay. From from the four that they could actually create. That's not bad, then. There, there are a lot of stories of Cameron being very clever with how he does stuff, and especially in Terminator, which was his first real film, um, he got away with a lot of interesting ways of doing things. But that's trivia for Terminator. Yeah, that's next week. Come back next week. <laughs> uh, Michael Bean was cast as Hicks following uh, James Remar, who had originally been cast as uh, as Hicks. He was fired for drunk, drunk possession before filming started. Typical. So Michael Bean got the call Friday night and he was in England in Pinewood Studios Monday morning, <laughs> just over the weekend to start filming for a you know, months-long schedule. And, of course, Michael Bean played uh, Kyle Reese in Terminator, so he already had a good working relationship with Cameron. Okay. Um, and speaking of the thousand aliens, the um, the shots where the aliens are crawling through tunnels really quickly, can I take a guess how that was actually shot? Is this when they're on the ceiling or when they're... Just whenever the, whenever you see a lot of them crawling really, really quickly. I would have just said ladders, but no, obviously not. The, the reverse. It was it was shot vertically, so so the camera was looking up from from the ground, and all the aliens and everything were just lowered on uh, on, on on wires. And there's just yeah, to climb. And, and and brilliant. You can you can make okay. them move as quickly as you like. That's good. Yeah. So I was gonna say oh, I thought they would have just done like yeah, maybe sped up the footage and gone shot down, as in sorry, shot no, it's down not, a it's not sped up. It was all filmed filmed oh. in in, uh, in in real time. Well, that's horrifying. Oh, I would have loved to have worked with Cameron. He seems like, yeah, he's very interesting with how he does it all. Just because he, 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 he knows what he wants, yeah. and it's just a game to work out how to get there. Yeah, which I guess is uh, you could say for a lot of directors, but it just feels <laughs> with him that he's like, I'm going to invent <laughs> shit and do it, which is the nicer part. Which is exactly what he's good for. Uh, so, story. It's not that complicated. No, it's not. Neither was the first one. <clears throat> the first one was really just a, a, a slow chase and a slow picking off of, of everybody. This one is kind of the same, but it is changed up a bit. So we start off with uh, with Ripley. She's woken up from hypersleep. Oh, there's the whole dream sequence and bleh, whatever. She's scared. <laughs> she woke up and there was an alien in her belly. I understand. Scene, yeah, I understand the function of dream sequences. I just, I can't get over that feeling that it's just some lazy, cheap shots at, at, at getting getting a rise out of the audience. I don't like it. It feels cheap to me. Just consider it foreshadowing for episode I know. four or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank God we're not doing, yeah, we're exactly. not doing those. That's why she's <laughs> falling into the vat as it comes out of her chest, I think, or something like that. It's awful. So we find out that Ripley has been drifting for 57 years and she's woken up um, as her as as the narcissist drifts to some you know surveying ship or whatever, uh, we find out later that there was probably some nefarious you know tracking going on from from the company and they orchestrated this <coughs> quotation marks rescue mm-hmm. uh, in order to actually get her because they needed her as bait or whatever. Uh, I've already forgotten a point because I was just a couple like a couple yes. weeks ago. What happened to the um, to Newton the cat? Not Newt, no, sorry, not Newt. What happened to the, the cat? The cat survived. The cat is there. It is there. Okay, with there in the in the thing and in, in the in the hospital room. 
Newt's the little girl from this film and she just appears in between two and three in a mysterious cryo-freezing accident. Yeah. So does the cat. It's the only film she's ever acted in. Oh. Young Carrie. She became a teacher afterwards. She did one of those Shining things <laughs> where she did the one movie and never <laughs> appeared again. I mean, I'm sure it was you know, fine and everybody was nice to her on set. But, uh, you know, a little Probably kid, nice aliens. Bloody, um, yeah. Stanley Kubrick would have been nice to her. Well, that's true. <laughs> God, you can imagine the sort of... That's what I mean, like... I crap we had to come up with, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we get we get an introduction, a, a reintroduction to, to Ripley. Uh, she's pissed off. She just wants to go back to being, um, you know, a, 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 an officer on a ship. She wants nothing to do with the alien or whatever. So when the story comes out that... Um, there's there's been a um, a signal loss or whatever communications have, have broken from a colony where the Nostromo crashed or some some aliens or whatever no they were investigating it um, in Alien they were investigating that planet yeah or investigating the ship that crashed there or whatever and since they've set up a colony there but they've lost contact with it now so they want to go off off and explore and Ripley says I'm out. I'm not. I'm not interested in going along. And Paul Reiser is there, kind of going, "Well, you'll get paid a shit ton of money if you do, and I'll make it difficult for you to start up your career again if you don't. So have a think about that. Take your time. Enjoy the coffee." It wasn't even so much like focusing on all the money you will make. It was just saying, like, "Well, you've been dishonorably dismissed, discharged, or whatever." Yeah, essentially, you know, handcuffing her and saying, "Come along." Or, or, or your life is over. And she says, all right, I'll do it, but promise me we're not getting involved, we're not going to a search party, I'm, I'm just hanging along, <clears throat> I'm not going to set foot in this thing, I never want to see an alien again, I'm just an advisor, that's it. That's, that's my that's role. That's probably it, yeah. That's what, they, that's what he says back to her. That's probably it. Like, it's probably <laughs> Pro- fine. Probably, with about 40 asterisks <laughs> you know, of, of, of company jargon. Yeah, but, it, you know, in the, in, in this, in, in the event that, uh, you know, whatever, yeah, you'll actually have to, yeah, or whatever. Listen, you'll probably be fine. Now, can you just hold this bag of salt for me? Um, I'm just doing this other thing here right now. Uh, so then we're introduced to the Marines. <clears throat> uh, uh, good team. They're all gung-ho and... Nobody likes Ripley to begin with, as, as you would, because um, there's speculation as to why on earth she's involved. As far as the Marines are concerned, they're going off to rescue the, the colonists. So why do they need this advisor, this you know officer from 50 years ago? God, she's completely out of her depth. But she shows them. She has... By not <laughs> dying. <laughs> they need to load up, load up their, uh, uh, their, their rig or their ship or whatever. Um, but it's been so hastily organised that they don't have you know, the proper people involved. And it turns out Ripley has the qualifications to use this, you know, heavy heavy loader thing. Uh, and the guys are just kind of laughing at her and going, yeah, sure, if you want to have a go, go for it. And she shows them up. Chekhov's heavy loader <laughs> to machine, right, as well. And it's, it's, it's a nice little scene where she's, she's having to prove herself and she's, you know, doesn't like that she's not trusted, but she understands that she has to, to, to prove herself. Uh, and they're very dismissive of, of, of her to begin with, but when she shows that she can actually use the stuff and she kind of turns around and goes, so where do you want it? You know, which, which, which level or whatever, which floor? And, and, it's, and it's a nice moment where, where the guys who were just giving her shit before realise, yeah, she's actually competent. They give a little smirk <laughs> over there like, and, and she's in. That's a brilliant scene. You don't have to involve this, you know, feminist equality, that's it. That's how people relate to each other. You have to prove yourself to a new group and when you do, you're in. Nobody brings any malice to it and it's it's exactly what it needs to be. Now, are you saying you prefer her using the mech as a way of doing this to the basketball game? <laughs> in, I think it's... Is, is number four the one that happens on like I, the, the I prison? I don't care. Where I, no, three is the prison with Charles Dance as the uh, No, I th- it's w- four because she dies there, doesn't she? No, it's one that she dies in. I'm pretty sure three is or the Or does she the die in three one. and get resurrected in four? I think that's the there's, way there's around. A scene yeah. where I, haven't, she, I haven't seen four... I, Ever. I might be remembering wrong. Is there not a scene in that movie where she's like, does like a back turned, no look, <laughs> throws a basketball into a basket, into the hoop? I swear. Something to, like that. Yeah. I have to find it. Alien basketball scene. That's not going to work for me. I don't think they planned for it to take forever, but they did it in like a couple of, a couple of takes. Yeah. Like I, I think that she just like, she nailed it from memory. I remember that yeah. trivia, which makes you think like, yeah. oh, alien resurrection. It is resurrection. Okay. Which is, 
not the ship that I was thinking about. The one I'm t- the prison I'm talking about is full of like the bald head men. They're all bald. Yeah, that's alien cubed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because this is the third one's the one that happens on a ship, and there's that. No, the third one is the prison. She crashes after this one. She crash lands in a in in a at, at the start of three. She crash lands in a in a, in a prison. Yeah, but the fourth one is like another prison, but it's filled with oh, is it? Men. Oh, jeez. It's like a, they they they're all like shaved head uh, in in prison. Talk about creative bankruptcy. Whereas this one. Oh yeah, at the end was a girl in this one. I'm just looking at, it. and Ron Perlman's in it. <laughs> I just I have the basketball scene playing in the, in the background now because I, I wanted to see the, it's the mech scene yeah. oh, with the ball. I think three is okay. Yeah, whatever. This they're is all, they're all this bad. Is, after this is Aliens, this. and the franchise isn't ruined yet. In fact, it's just about to reach its peak. <laughs> oh, but Resurrection does have the alien. <laughs> Doesn't matter. So the, the the team is all together. They get down to the planet. Uh, and they slowly begin to uncover that okay, the the colony is basically dead. Everybody's been been wiped out, and they go about finding out exactly why and sort of exploring everything that's that's going on. Yep. They end up finding the alien nest. Uh, they, they don't get, really know what it is at the moment. It's, it's gross walls. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. But it's very creepy. It's very tense. It's very built up just beautifully. Uh, until it's revealed that everybody has to get the fuck out because the place is swarming with xenomorphs. It's not. It's not just the one that Ripley was dealing with. It's now an army, yep. and they're waking up because they've got fresh meat or yeah. a new threat or however you want to. Well, they don't eat Andrew. We've established yeah. they don't eat. It's <laughs> impossible. How would you eat if you've got a, another mouth in your throat? They'd have to eat the small mouth, right? Is the small mouth used for? Is, is that the actual? esophagus connection well I'm just thinking like mouth. imagine you had a mouth inside your mouth and like the way theirs is like it's like a pipe almost if you what? ate with your big mouth you go to swallow <laughs> it's just going to hit the pipe that's down your throat you'd have to eat through the small mouth I'd say maybe maybe that's the way you do it you know if you don't think of the, the big mouth as a mouth but rather you know like like pincers that just happen to be attached to your yeah. head it's like a beetle yeah it's got like the, the yeah, pincers or the, yeah. the mandibles or whatever yeah it's, it's an exoskeleton. It's an exoskeleton. The yeah. actual xenomorph is quite small. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just speaking of mech suits, <laughs> it's, it's just like just like uh, Men in Black yeah. with a little alien in the in the thing oh. and the whole and the whole show. I know it's yeah, adorable. Yeah. Are great. Yeah. Why do I know that name? Oh, I've forgotten so much about like accounting. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, once they find the xenomorphs, that's when the film. You know, it, it's an hour in. It's about halfway through. That's when the film turns into a big chase, yes. a big long chase, and brilliantly done. Very tense. It has. When I was watching it, it had it had exactly the feel of Terminator, that it hit the right beats. It it, it accelerated. It slowed down a little bit before it accelerated again in a, in a new action thing. You know, perfectly timed. Well, literally, it's like I said by my count, an hour and thirteen in is when the xenomorph, the first one, is revealed. Yeah. Not even when it attacks, just when we see an actual xenomorph. Yeah. And the film has just over one hour to go from that moment. So the last hour of this film, stark difference to the first. The first is slow, (laughs) plotting. Not slow and bad. It's just building up tension. And then it's just an hour of screaming, which is good. It works really well for this film. And a few things go right for them. A lot goes wrong for them. Uh, Along the way, we sort of get more and more information that Paul Reiser is actually, you know, Contrary to his word that they're just going there to find out what happened, no, he has orders to bring back, bring back a specimen, and he's trying to get a live one back. He ends up orchestrating a situation where uh, Newt and Ripley are alone together, and he's going to, you know, have a xenomorph, you know, face hug themselves and implant itself into one of them, so that when they're going back as a part of the rescue, that's how they get. A live specimen back through the you know, security yep. screening or or whatever. Oh, he's so it's all dick. so he's doing it all on the dirty, and then five minutes after that, he's dead oh. at, the, at, at the hands of a xenomorph. Rightly so. <laughs> I would like to talk about Lance Hendrickson, as yes. Bishop, my favorite. Yes, we get a nice little fake out with him. That is he really? You know, is is it the androids? You know, doing doing the dirty again on it. But is this when he's sitting at the research lab and the guy's like, do you need any help? He's like, no. There's the, yeah, there, there's the creep out there. And then at the end, the, the fake out with him having left with the, the shuttle that they call back. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, it's nice along the way where 
he's sort of being human-like when they're discussing the danger of re-establishing connection, a satellite connection with, uh, uh, or communications with the with the ship to remotely pilot a ship down. Somebody has to crawl through this, you know, hundred meter, two hundred meter long tube, mm. um, out into the in, into the open with the xenomorphs everywhere, and nobody wants to do it. <laughs> and even Hendrickson, the the, the bishop, the, the android, kind of says, well, "I don't want to do it either," but I understand that. I'm the only one that can, so yeah, just zip me up. Oh, poor guy. Who was the um? Because they, they were doing like an alphabet little game with the Android names, weren't they? Because they had Ash Bishop. I'm trying to remember the name of the third one. Because they were going like A B C D. I think. I oh, were they? I thought they were. I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, what's I can't find her name because I think the Android number three was the was the was a woman. Good, fine, irrelevant. Oh, Bishop's also in three. I <laughs> was really. Yeah, from I suppose he does survive. Yeah, I think that he's only he's only there for like a minute or two. Yeah. My memory is that he's like beaten to shit and he's <laughs> turned him on to ask him a question. And Hicks he, Hicks doesn't die in this one, does he? Which one's is Hicks? It, Hicks is Michael Bean. He's injured close to the climax, and he stays on the shuttle with Bishop when Ripley goes to rescue Newt from the from the nest. I think you're right. As the <laughs> God just as the as the, as the auto destruct sequence is is counting down, um, in order to get rid of all the, all the xenomorphs, and Ripley finds the queen, finds the big field of eggs. I, that sounds vaguely. I'm trying to remember. When you now. spell it out like that, it sounds like schlock. Yeah. Right. That <laughs> all these things are happening and all building on each other, but Cameron is just a master with weaving the tapestry of of, of, of tension. And it all feels very natural. It all feels very real. Now I feel like I'm remembering the wrong film. I think three's on the prism. This one's two, Seb. Oh, I'm so confused. We're never going to talk about Aliens Cubed. Never. I, was, I thought... Never. I'm so confused. Good. These films... Are, I mean, this film's good, but the rest of them are so silly. It's like and then they escape and everything's great and we find out the Xenomorph is, again, hitching a ride. Not just the xenomorph, the queen. <laughs> the, queen. <laughs> the hardest one to see yeah. into a place. It's huge. Yep, and Ripley kills it. Yes, with in her- a nice scene with them in the whole mech, you yeah. know, uh, uh, loader thing. It's a brilliant scene. This is the equivalent of us doing this exact thing today with like a like a crane, a forklifter. Yeah, yeah. Or a forklifter. <laughs> just driving around trying to stab the damn thing. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, it's better as a suit, I guess. Is there an advantage to having a suit like that? I don't mean in, in alien warfare. I mean in general, like. I I guess so. I mean, there are ways to do it with you know a wheeled vehicle. Yeah. But just it just looks cool to have to like this a lot of know, effort. Endoskeleton? No, nah, it's just it's it's just a suit that sort of you know. Yeah. Highlights highlights. That's not the right. The word. articulation of a human emphasizes being, yeah. yeah the strength by you know amplifies it. That's the word. Okay. So that's that. She kills the, the she kills the yep. queen. Success. Get away from her, you bitch. You bitch. Is the one line. <laughs> which and, as I was saying in the Alien review, so much of what you remember about the franchise is from Aliens. Yeah. Because it's a more visually impactful. It's 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 the action film of the of the franchise. Yep. The game over, man. Game over. Like a lot of the cues definitely come from this film. This is the one that and uh, number one and two are the ones that really went on to inspire most of the cult, pop culture around it, like that Alien Isolation video game yeah. I said. It's really just focused on these sorts of sorts of things as opposed to anything from three, four and onwards because they're not so good. Who cares about those? I we mean, don't. Maybe we'll get to them next year if there's another Never. pandemic. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't curse us, Seb. Yeah. Um, did you want to get to verdicts or is there anything else you I think so, about? yeah. All right, I'm going to hit the button. It's really a film you have to watch. Yeah, it was good. Like just describing what happens, you don't you don't get anywhere near the 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 feel of what's going on by actually watching it, listening to the sound. God, the the the, the sound design and the music, everything is everything is woven through perfectly. It is a great action film. One thing I, I did notice on that note, though, while mixing together the intro to our episode, and I made this complaint because I did this one back-to-back with Terminator. I was like, God, the Terminator one is so much better because there's this, you, this 
unique and oh what's the word i want it has a theme song effectively yeah let's call it the alien films i don't really have a song or anything that i would establish yeah hum the aliens theme um (laughs) the first trailer didn't actually have any speaking in it because it was the whole space no one can hear you anything yeah yeah. like it's all about nope we're gonna make these things as quiet (laughs) as possible um Whereas, yeah, with Terminator, you've got that iconic, you know, that's from T2. Well, too bad because it's in the opening. No, everything. Too bad, Andrew. Again, all the all those sounds and the visuals that you remember from the Terminator franchise all come out in the sequel. Yep, and they sure do, and you're going to hear them in all the Terminator episodes that we do. Um, But no, I do recommend this film. It's really good. Um, It's like was it two hours seventeen? So it's nice, nice size for what it is. The film is two hours seventeen. I think that's the special edition. Oh, I was just going what because the the theatrical release is like two hours long. You know, there are a few little extra nuggets and things in the director's cut, obviously. But yeah, you don't you're not missing much by not having them in. I think I actually did watch the director's cut in the end, but quite possibly. Um, It it also had Russian subtitles for some reason. I don't know when I when I got them. It must have been from Russia. Really, you must have your VPN settings. yeah. Uh, you know, set, set to Moscow or something when you... Apparently. Um, <laughs> maybe we've been looking for these Russian hackers and these Russian bots for the longest time. I never stopped to think that maybe I was a Russian <laughs> bot. It was me all along. <laughs> Shit, I rigged, the, I rigged the election? What? <laughs> Typical. Um, no, it's a good film. Um, like I said, the first hour is just building up tension, building up, building up. And then the next hour is just balls to the wall action itself. So it works really well for what it is. There's no boring moment in the film. Mm. I actually enjoyed the first half more than the second half because I loved just having Ripley freak the fuck out about everything that was going on and trying to avoid it all and not being able to. And just seeing this whole thing steamroll into this one direction. And this character has tried so hard not to do it. It was really enjoyable from a tension standpoint. Do you think you need to have seen Alien to appreciate Aliens more? I think to appreciate Ripley's reaction to the entire thing, which helps sell why, like the first hour of the film, I think it definitely helps. I mean, she does spend a fair bit of time explaining that I, I, I dealt with this thing you know, alone. It killed everybody else on my crew. So you kind of get the idea of why oh, she's yeah. freaked out. But yeah, having having watched it, I think if you're in a position to, to watch the first one, do that before watching Aliens. And I got to say, I feel like this film plays around with how bad and how deadly the aliens are. Because like one alien takes out an entire ship, but it takes what an, about an army, army? <laughs> to do this. But also because there's an army, these aliens do get the shit kicked out of them a lot more. Yeah. Because I think that, like, well, we've got numbers, so we can actually afford to kill one here and there. They I feel more flimsy in this film, but also just as deadly. It's this weird middle ground between yeah. when you've got one, it has to be unstoppable. But when you've got 20,000, yeah, yeah, kill a couple. I th- the only criticism I really have is, is, is from the story, and I think it kind of cheapens the, um, the, the, the punch of the xenomorph by having, you know, a hundred of them instead of, like, just... A, a smaller unit, like four or five, mm. you know, acting acting uh, cooperatively. By having so many of them, and there are some scenes where it just seems like they're dumb soldiers. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got the queen leading things, and sure, in, in isolation, any one of them is, is quite clever. But when you see a lot of them together, they just act like dumb soldiers, and you kind of, it kind of lessens the impact a little bit. Speaking of which, like the video game... Um kind of plays around with your expectations in regards to this in that, that that isolation game where there's one alien for the entire thing until you get to the final chapter and then it's like, oh, nope, this whole end of the ship is just aliens <laughs> now. And But in that case, that game being a horror game, doesn't matter if there's one or a hundred, yeah. if it sees you, game over. Like yeah. it comes and gets you. Um, I tried to go back and play it so I could do more about it during the review and was playing for an hour. Didn't get to save the entire time. And you know what killed me? A person with a gun who freaked out and saw me hiding under a table. Oh, it, it couldn't see me under the table, but that person had a better vantage point and made it. <laughs> so they shot me. Well and done. as my character like takes a knee and like turns over to die, I then see the alien drop from the ceiling and kill the person that uh-huh. shot me. I'm like, oh, gotcha, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Every time like I would run past people and they would shoot their guns, I'm like, don't do this. I don't care about the bullets. My character can take a couple before they die, but the noise... Yeah, anyway, that's us. That's us. We've got Terminator next week, though. I loved Aliens. Highly recommend. Yeah. Watch again. But yeah, so next week we're back with Terminator. Um, we are running a little bit tight of schedule this week, so we won't be doing any variety hours for the next fortnight. So this week and next week, 
for those who don't know what a fortnight is, America. Um, but we'll probably throw something something special into those uh, into those slots. So if you're a newer listener, you'll probably get to pick out one of our, our nicer, uh, older episodes. Have fun with that. I know exactly what I'm putting there. So it's like, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm trying to be nice about it, but there's, there's a very good chance I'm dropping Mortal Kombat 1 and Mortal Kombat 2 into those <sighs> slots. Poor, poor audience. It's fine. It, it can, it's great. <laughs> oh, but anyway, let's get out of here. Find us on Instagram at Second Take Podcast, or if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Second Take. Thank you for jumping on Jordan's one because I was like- Second Take Media Review, I think is the- uh, I think it's just, well, yeah, so that's the, like, the title, but it's just dot com slash Second Take yeah. for the actual URL, um, which is a uh, an acronym I don't know what it means. Um <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Bastion underscore James. Our website is secondtakepodcast.com. Uh, check us an email at secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, we have a Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash secondtake. Now, yeah, we'll be back. See you then. I guess that's, that's how that <laughs> works on uh, Goodbye Horses. No, this one. Second Take Podcast is recorded within the Moreton Bay region of Queensland, Australia, and acknowledges this region's original owners, namely the Jinnabara, Kabi Kabi, and Yugara people. Second Take Podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of these lands, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures, and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.